Welcome all to Learning You, an SNHU support podcast. I'm your host, academic coach Kaylee Guzel, and this show is for learners. Now more than ever, people are learning online, and Southern New Hampshire University is leading the way. We empower all learners, working adults, military families, refugees, and everyone in between, because we believe knowledge is power, and access to education can change the world. Academic support is a dedicated team employed by SNHU, and we're at the front lines of helping students succeed. We've got our finger on the pulse of this institution because we talk to learners like you every day. More than basic proofreading or math help, our peer tutors and academic coaches listen to students' unique needs and help them with life's transferable skills beyond their schoolwork. We offer one-on-ones and group experiences. We build resources that help students teach themselves and discover their unique pathways to success, which we'll discuss in detail today. And now we have this show dedicated to what our learners are going through. Anxious about math, terrified of writing, struggling with time management or the work-life school balance, we're here to help you through. Today's topic is getting and staying motivated. What does motivation mean to each of us and how do we tap into it when the going gets tough? My guests here today will help me define motivation and discuss methods for understanding it. You'll hear from academic coaches John Baker and Allison Johnson today. John and Allison have been here with academic support since it was just the Writing Center some five or six years. Allison is a real relationship builder. She helps her many dedicated students with key mindset and study skills practices. John teaches and coaches business writing, topics on rhetoric, and hosts workshops on other more complex writing and thinking processes. So let's get into it. My first guest is John Baker, my fellow Aquarian. Hello, John. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for inviting me. Um, anything you want to share with the listeners to start about yourself that I haven't covered? Um, I've just been a lifelong learner. I love learning and uh, I love teaching. So this just, uh, you know, seems very natural to talk to students and to anybody who wants to listen about how to make it all work. Cool. So um, today's topic, as you know, is motivation. How do you experience motivation or lack thereof with your students? Well, uh, when students feel highly motivated, uh, they often tell me things like, um, you know, when I ask them what, what keeps you going. And I think the number one answer is I'm doing it for my kids, because as you know, we serve students in their middle years, usually in the 30s and 40s. They often have kids. They want to be an example to their kids. And so they want to come back to school and, and say, you know, I guess this is how you do it. Um, also, a lot of students want to move up in the world. They're often in dead-end jobs or they've had some sort of a ceiling. And without the bachelor's degree, they realize they're not going to go any further. So they're back to school to try to move up. Some um, are motivated by intr- just the intrinsic desire to learn. I won't say that this is the most common reason, but I think once students get back to school and they start to re-experience the school ex- the, the school experience, right, uh, without the anxieties of high school and things like that, there there is a lot of intrinsic motivation there. It just I just love learning, right? That, that that feeling, and then finally there's the feeling of accomplishment and of personal growth that comes with um, assimilating complex ideas being able to connect them to experience. So do you ever, um, I'm ad-libbing a little here, Uh, do do you ever have experiences with students or can you think of one where the motivation really was intrinsic and for any listener who hasn't heard that before, intrinsic just means coming from inside, you just are motivated because you're motivated. Um, Yes. So... Like Aristotle said, uh, maybe I should have mentioned I studied philosophy when I was in college. Like Aristotle said, yes. I was wondering when it was going to get Greek in here. All right. So (laughs) Aristotle said, you know, the basic idea of man is that man loves to learn and women too. But he, you know, he was a, lived in a different time, but human beings just love to learn. Women were implied. Were implied. Yeah. (laughs) Implied. Um, But yeah, I think that there is a lot of truth to that that people just naturally want to learn and grow. Um, uh, I'm not sure why. Animals don't often exhibit the same trait, but human beings do like to expand their horizons. Now, there can be things that um, get in the way of motivation, too. 
Do you think? Yeah, we let's talk, talk about, about let's talk about the barriers before we carry on. Yeah. So I think anybody listening has once or twice hit a wall, as we say, as as we see um, when it comes to their motivation. And of course, today we're talking specifically about academic motivation. Um, but in general, there can be lots of barriers, and depending on the kind of person you are and where you come from, of course, there are different kinds of barriers. So what are some that you see as a coach? Well, there's the, the you know, the nat- natural fear, fear of failure. You're coming into a situation that's new and unfamiliar. Um, you may have unrealistic expectations as to how difficult and how challenging it's going to be. Of course, SNHU tries to break everything down into very doable steps in, in the courses. And so there's usually not that huge hurdle that, um, you, you know, you might experience it in some schools where there's very little support and you're just shown some books and told to read those books and then give me a book report or something like that. At SNHU, you know, it's all broken down. Um, but students still have that, that fear that often comes out of high school and grade school that uh, they don't understand what's happening. They don't know what's going on. They don't understand the assignments. They don't. There, there may be background assumptions that aren't fully spelled out, and they don't know what those are. So all these different um, unknowns can result in a, in that fear of, you know, I'm just not good enough. I can't do this. And uh, in my experience, anybody can can do college with the right assistance and the right support. So, um, but there can also be frustration um, with the using the word intrinsic again, but in a different context, the intrinsic complexity sometimes of the subject matter can be very difficult. You know, difficult ideas, difficult math problems. <laughs> I'll admit that I, when it comes to math, I've got a lot of anxiety when it comes to learning things like trigonometry and calculus, and I, I don't do well with those subjects. Um, so I, I understand that fear. But well, we have a workshop down, for that. If you yeah, that's right, we do. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I should take it. Then. This isn't the the workshop featured episode, but um, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, when we talk about pathways a little bit later, I like to, as we close out, tell students how to access these things. But math anxiety it used to be called mm. I hate math, <laughs> right? Um, but we took out the aggressive language. Um, yeah, and really, the hatred is it's the hatred. I mean, the fear. hatred would have caused me to click back in the day. Yeah. But that all comes from fear, right? I fear math, and that's really mm-hmm. where the, the hostility comes from. So, if you can break it down and make it uh, understandable in terms of smaller steps, that often helps. There can also be the 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 complexity of the online environment itself too. This can impinge on motivation. Um, just trying to navigate. The, the workspace in in SNHU's you know Brightspace shell, mm-hmm. um, which which is where all the courses are are kept, and while SNHU has done a really good job, I think of making it easy, fairly easy to understand. Mm-hmm. Still, you know, if you're new to an online environment, if you're not comfortable with computers, there's just so many things that you need to know. It can be pretty daunting at first. It's like learning a new language. Sure. The technology barrier. Technology, yeah. Yep. So that can get in the way of, uh, of motivation. And then uh, sometimes students will see ideas and they just won't know how to connect those ideas to their own experience. Mm. Um, they'll, they won't be able to see the subject matter as relevant or related to, to what they know or to what they hope to be doing with their lives. And so part of my job as a coach is to ask them, questions that will guide them toward connecting subject matter with their own experience. They often have more experience than they realize. And then once they say, oh, that's what this is, it's just like that time when, you know, when I experienced this other thing. Mm-hmm. And then they start to make that connection and suddenly it, it becomes relevant and makes sense. Let's talk a little bit about um, what we in academia called the schema or your pre-existing right learning your pre-existing kind of network of knowledge in your brain see i wasn't going to use that big word but you did so (laughs) (laughs) as long as we define the terms we can throw them around that's i do do a lot of defining in the beginning i've found um but i'm trying to think of if um 
and Allison is here, and, and I'm, I'm going to invite her to jump in at any time with an example, but I'm trying to think of an example I had once about, but it's almost the opposite that I think happens too, where the student will think too much about their personal connection to a topic at first, and they have a harder time oh, con right. connecting to the greater idea. So I'm thinking of a student I coached once who was writing about layoffs at his factory that he worked right. at. And I was like, what about layoffs in general? Maybe in your field, if we want to keep it somewhat narrow, but... Um, so there are two, there are two possible right, problems Right, the other there. side then of the coin, I guess. The other side of the coin, right. So you, you over-personalize and you think only in terms of your own experience versus the other side, which is, I don't know what any of this is about, right? Mm -hmm. So in the middle ground, there's that, I can see what this is about. I have experiences that are related to this, but I can also see how other people might have had other experiences and how there's a bigger picture here mm -hmm. than just, just what I've gone through. Yeah. Allison is, I know no one can see her but me and John right now, but she's nodding sagely. Do you have any examples you want to add? I ha yes, I think this is something that we see a lot with the English 123 class in particular, because it's a research-based mm, yeah. paper that's persuasive writing. And it asks for that subject for the persuasive paper to come from uh, your major or your experience. And so I think a lot of times a natural inclination is to really just keep it with the student's experience with their own experience. And so when we bring in that research component, sometimes they are looking very narrowly at it. Like I got to look at Florida in particular, or I've got to look at, and, and it could be really a much broader item, or it might even be something that is so current that there isn't much research on it. And so what we might have to say is like, what's the bigger idea behind um, the situation, this very specific situation that's happening in your personal life or at your personal workplace that maybe mm -hmm. other people experience um, in other areas of that major or that work life. And so it is, there is a lot of talking in coaching sessions about broadening ideas or expanding views, or sometimes it's the picture's too big because maybe they're looking at a really big world. And mm -hmm. so then we have like to... My paper's about COVID. Yes. <laughs> That's impacted a lot of people all across the world in very different ways. And so that mm -hmm. might be one to take down and narrow and maybe say, okay, well, COVID is happening right now. They're researching it. But there were other pandemics that have a lot of research. So how could you maybe talk about pandemics in, and maybe pandemics in North America? But, you know, and so sometimes it's just helping direct the lens to other areas. And that's something that can help, can be helped with coaching, that can be helped with conversation. So if a person doesn't have a coach or a coaching session or a conversation with their teacher. But I think that's part of the really big benefit of education is it helps us move our our viewpoints uh, over time to see other people's perspectives and to understand research and the importance of research. Yeah, oh, I think a big idea here is the ability to sort of decenter yourself, right? To, to sort of stand outside of your own experience and see things as related to what you know, but also um, independent of what you know and related to a bigger picture. And that's a big part of intellectual growth. It's a huge milestone when you are able to do it. I only think of me <laughs> <laughs> at all times. Um, and since we are featuring the asynchronous resources today, I will mention that in the show notes, I'll put a video about narrowing your topic. If you happen to tune in today yeah. and you are working on a research project that is demotivating you or daunting you in any way, um, we have a, a great video voiced by academic coach Deb about narrowing your topic that is really helpful. And probably if I had to guess, one of the most common coaching sessions that I would conduct is narrowing topics or like trying to find a paper topic that is actually researchable because it's more yeah. of a more of a process than um, sometimes is presented, I think. Um, sometimes there's this whole inquiry piece of it where you're 
trying to think of you know what you don't know about the subject first and that's not always obvious um so coaching can help with that and that's what we do <laughs> um so we talked about barriers a little bit are there any other that you want to list or enumerate before we get into some methods and strategies john well, there, there's this idea of self-talk, you know, the, the little voice in the mind that says you can't do this or you're not good enough or you're just, um, you know, you're, you don't deserve this. For more Things on like self-talk, please see episode one on mindfulness. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yep. we definitely talked about self-talk, self-compassion. So, yeah, tell us how that relates to motivation. I don't think we touched upon that. Well, it can, I mean, if you convince, if you listen to that little voice, it can very definitely demotivate you and make you feel like you're not worthy or or sometimes it'll convince you that you don't really want this when in truth you do want it but you listen to that voice and it talks you out of it um i was just thinking of that there's a scene in that uh netflix series the the queen's gambit where the you know the young chess prodigy is struggling in the middle of a game and she she calls herself white trash i think it is while looking in the mirror and you know she ends up being the, the you know, spoiler alert she ends up being the greatest chess player in the world but she, for a moment there she thinks she can't do it and she's not good enough and so we all have this vulnerability to to this little voice of failure that um i think i think most people have some version of it floating around in the back of their mind and it's important to to become aware of it and to um you know put it in check learn how to talk back and say no i can do this and be more firm affirmative mm -hmm. so, that's you it. got this as we motivationally say that's right you um got so one of the things that can keep your uh the the white wolf the good wolf in your heart you guys heard, heard that fable there's two wolves in your heart and soul and one is the dark wolf and one is the light wolf and uh, the one that wins is the one you feed. So to feed the light wolf, we have a few strategies. Um, I definitely want to touch upon mission statements with you, John. Yes. Um, so let's talk about mission statements, not just for businesses anymore. That's right. Personal mission statements are, I think, an important part of motivation. I've started using mission statements in the in the course that I teach on business writing. Um, as part of the job search strategy, right? Hmm. There's a, I've devoted a whole section of the course to, you know, finding your first job or your, your, your first big job, right? Do you and, have any mission statements handy before we get into too much detail about it, just in case the listeners aren't familiar with them? I have, well, I have the academic support one as my desktop background. <laughs> uh, uh, if, if you want to read that, I didn't, uh, I didn't put together any actual examples. Okay. What I do is I talk to my students about, you know, having the right um, parameters, right? Don't make it too broad. You know, don't use something like, my mission is to become the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, how do you how do you make that operational, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't it doesn't suggest a specific course of action. So that that would be too broad. Um, you need a mission statement that you can actually act on. But th that comes with a lot of anxiety. You know, I think people fear boxing themselves in with a mission statement that's too narrow. So the metaphor I use is it's not a prison cell, it's a launching pad. You know, it's only got one wall. <laughs> but you do need that one wall to push off against, right? And then also expect that your mission statement will grow as you do. So as you mature, your mission in life will mature right along with you. You're not, you're not locked into anything. But, you know, there is a, there actually is a mission statement I can remember from memory. It was Steve Jobs' mission statement when he started Apple. He said to, his mission was to create machines for the mind to, uh, to further humankind or something like that. For the betterment of humankind, I think it was. That, it was, the, that was the original mission. Yeah, it rhymed. And some people would scoff at something so broad, but it, created the Apple Corporation. And then in more recent years, after he, Steve Jobs died, they came out with this monstrosity of a mission statement that doesn't uh, say a whole lot. Um, but, you know, it, it, it should be inspirational. I think, I think that's the takeaway from Steve Jobs' mission statement. 
whatever it is, make it something that gets you up in the morning and makes you go, yes, for this I'm all in. Right. I just opened my resume, which starts with my why, which is another word for mission statement. I'm just going to read yep. it as an example. You can let's you know let's workshop it, gang. Tell me if it's uh, terrible or not. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. Where is she? So my why. <clears throat> I believe in the power of difference. When our diverse perspectives come together, we heighten our understanding of each other and of the world. By mindfully creating educational tools and content with diversity in mind, I harness the power of difference and create meaningful change. So that's my personal why as an English as a second language professional okay. um, and someone who builds resources. Is your Venus in Pisces by any chance? It sure is. <laughs> well, that makes sense. I know. I'm very soft. This attraction to otherness, right? That's, yes. Yeah, and okay. my... Pisces immigrant husband as well. That's it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it all makes sense. John and I are the uh, academic support resident astrologers, so we'll try not to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> we'll start a whole separate podcast about that. I'm sure no one's talking about astrology on Spotify yet. But anyway, yeah, so the, the that mission framework is based around the work of Simon Sinek, who's... Yeah. Um, info I'll definitely put in the in the show notes because that's a strong motivational tool reminding yourself what you like and are passionate about and what you believe right. in. Starting with why rather than what or mm -hmm. how, right? Like we build why. iPhones, peace. You know, it's not right. <laughs> that's no mission. Yeah. yeah, W. Edwards Deming used to talk about mission statements too, and he. He taught, cautioned against making them too specific because mm. if, if you're too specific, you sort of get left behind by history. Like imagine a company that makes carburetors, you know, they make the best carburetors in the world. And then around the mid seventies, fuel injection takes over. Okay. Well, are you going to keep making carburetors? Well, you know, or are you going to move to a, a more advanced technology? So if you define yourself as we're going to create a fuel, um, I don't know, fuel maintenance systems or something, fuel delivery systems for, for engines. Okay, that's broader. That keeps you in the business for a while longer. But then when electric cars take over, now what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. So somehow you have to keep re rethinking what you're doing. And, you know, s stay with the original idea, but change with the times at the, uh, as well. You know, be able to evolve. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think it's possible to... Uh my dear guests and listeners that you can kind of have the same general why for everything you do. Um, I just like really love language. And I think that language and communication is the backbone of everything that I do. I go to, I'm getting my MFA at SNHU right now. Excellent program. Check it out. Um, <laughs> And I want to, like, I know how to write. I write every day. I, I teach writing, but I want to get even better so I can communicate even more clearly. And um, teaching English as a second language is helping other people be understood. So I think that there's a, a common vein in there. Um, and whether you love math or cars or those things are, um, they can wear different clothes in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Connect with what's what you're passionate about, even if you think it's silly at first or irrelevant, like cars, you know, or um, boats or whatever. Start with that. You say so oats? That's, that's what Did I, you just say huh? oats? Did you say no, oats? No, boats. Boats. Oh, okay. <laughs> whatever, you know. You know <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor. No, speaking just... as the, the male of the of the group here, you know, all the all the guy stuff. Yeah. But, you know, don't don't be ashamed of the things that, uh, you know, that make you sort of sit up and take notice and get interested in things and then build on that mm -hmm. your hobbies and your passions and whatever they are what advice would you give to help students stay on track and reach their goals well um it's nice to know when you're going to be done right so when you come into school i don't think that this is news to anybody but when you come into school maybe set up your entire class list so that you can just see okay i'm gonna 
I, I can see when I'm going to be done. I'm going to take these classes, maybe one per term or two per term, and check them off, and I'll be able to see myself getting closer to my goal. And I'll, I'll never have that feeling of, when am I going to be through this, right? Because you'll always know. You'll have that date. So that's kind of what they do in, in SNHU 107. They have students plan it out, figure out their termination date, um, instead of keeping it open-ended. Don't, don't do what I did. I, I became a professional student for a little while. I finished in five years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my, my undergraduate, you know, my, my dad was like biting his nails and trying to get me through the darn thing so that I could uh, move on to other stuff. But I was in love with the learning and in love with classes. But that's not really the best way to, to do it. It's good to have a plan and then stick to it. Um, I also think rewarding your successes is important. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you are successful in a, with a paper or completing a class, do something for yourself. Do something nice. Just, uh, just to, you know, treat yourself like, like a stranger for a moment. Just say, you know, you did a good thing there. Yeah. It doesn't all have to be, you know, uh, just... I'm alarmingly uh, food motivated myself. Food, yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, whatever it is, you know. Do something nice for yourself. Um, and I, I think it also helps to think of education as a lifelong process, even though the degree process is terminal, right? You're going to finish your degree and you're going to be done with school, but the education process keeps going. School is just one phase in the lifelong education process. So don't think like it's all going to end. It's just going to change after you graduate. You're going to start buying those you know, those books on tape or great <laughs> courses or something like that and keep learning, right? Yeah, that's the dream. And then don't bite off more than you can chew, too. That's another good one. Keep keep your courses doable. Don't don't sign up for three if you've got other obligations and two might be better or one might be better. You know, keep it doable. Don't overwork yourself. I do the four jobs and then one course. That's my work-life balance. <laughs> Um, and we are going to talk, that's, this, that's a good precursor and a good transition because we're definitely going to talk about SMART goals with Allison and yeah. some of those things are uh, embedded in, in that process too of writing out SMART goals for yourself. Any final things? And of course, you're welcome to stay on. John's going to jump out of the call in about 20 minutes, but um, you're welcome to stay on and, and chime in when Allison is speaking. Okay. Um, but thank you so much for your yeah. expertise and wisdom. The featured resource for today's episode is our asynchronous resources, which just means you can engage in them anytime you want. It's, there's no meeting time. Um, so let me give you the spiel. Did you know that academic support and the Shapiro Library feature over a thousand videos, PDFs, web pages, FAQs, interactives, and more? These are all available to students anytime on topics from formatting your paper and APA in Word to measuring mean, median, and mode with a number set. These offerings are growing all the time, too. Visit the Academic Support Module in Brightspace to search our library or go to libguides.snhu.edu to discover more. If you don't go to SNHU yet, uh, think about it because it's all hiding behind your login. Links and guides will be provided in this episode's description. Yes. My next guest today is Allison Johnson. She's a Virgo. <laughs> yes. With some Sagittarius in there. She's interesting. She's mutable. Um, and I'd love to welcome another veteran coach. I believe we were all hired around the same time, some five-ish, six-ish years ago. Yeah. Um, so we must like being here because we're still here. Yes, back when it was a writing center and a free-for-all email inbox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, hi, Allison. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Sure. You have a great um, podcast voice. Thanks. It's like she talks on the phone for a living. <laughs> so John and I covered a lot about mission statements and motivation. What are um, some of the common barriers you see with your students? Anything that we haven't covered yet? So I think I... I would add to that um, barriers to learning in terms of skills, like not knowing what skills are necessary to 
embark on this new role as a student. And sometimes that's because a student's been away for a very long time or maybe didn't gain those skills to begin with because we all have very different experiences from education. Um, you know, prior to coming to SNU. And so I think a lot of times there's also that, what do I need to be successful in an online class? And so um, just like anything, you don't know until you're in it. And so sometimes when students are in it, they realize I haven't researched anything really in an academic way since they had card catalogs, or I haven't written a paper really because I, or I haven't typed a paper, or haven't used citations. Um, I certainly haven't used citations in APA 7th edition, because back when I wrote a paper, they were in the 5th edition, because they like to change those editions uh, quite a bit. And so it's recognizing those skill gaps, but understanding that that's just something that you have to learn. It's not it's not the end of the world. It's just like any other uh any other thing. So looking at being a student as, as a skill-based thing that you need to learn. And so that's where academic support can be helpful. And that's where the instructors are helpful. And you learn as you go and kind of reacquaint yourself with those skills. But I think sometimes that can be really challenging because it's like starting to do like climb a mountain and realizing you don't know how to use any of the equipment. And what do I do now? And so I think that's, that's one thing. And then another thing um, adding on to the inner voice and the I statements, I think one of the things that really challenges students is sometimes they think that they're doing really well, and then they receive some feedback that points to dun, them. Dun, dun. Yes, not doing quite as well as they mm -hmm. anticipated. And every new instructor is a new audience. So getting used to their new instructors is challenging. I think we all as coaches have experienced that too, because sometimes you have really tough graders. Sometimes you have uh, people who are really interested in grammar and those details. And sometimes you have bigger idea teachers. And um, I think getting used to new voices, but then sometimes it's, I don't know, I've taken five classes and all of a sudden this instructor just doesn't like anything that I do. And I think a lot of times the inclination is to place that on the instructor and not look inwardly and say, hmm, what can I learn from this? Um, because it's hard to receive critical feedback. And so one of the things that I usually talk about in combating that is to say, before you look at the feedback, put yourself in a space where you can be criticized. So don't expect an A, expect that you're going to receive information that will help you improve. So reframing feedback before you even look at it, don't just be looking at it to look at, I, did I get an A? How many points did I get? But instead, what can I improve on for next time? And even if it's not that particular assignment, it's something you can improve on for an assignment down the road. And so if if a student's looking at it that way, instead of, oh, I should have gotten 100, I worked really hard on that paper, that's a better approach to those things. So those are two barriers that I think are the ones that we talk about, I talk about the most with students, in addition to what um, John spoke of. And yeah, it's definitely in addition mindset. to, sorry, John, go ahead. And growth, the growth mindset, as you were describing it there, the, the, the idea that you're constantly growing. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I think we might have touched upon that in episode one, too, but um, listeners, you'll notice that we're talking about a lot of thinking about thinking, metacognition, um, and being aware of, as Allison's mentioning, your own processes, your reactions to things, and maybe trying to break the habit of um, checking for a grade or checking for points and going in with maybe a different mindset of... I definitely didn't do this perfectly because I didn't wake up an angel from heaven this morning, unless you're me. <laughs> but um, having space and wiggle room to improve, that's mm -hmm. definitely a thing. I think, you know, too, just like we talked about the skills, I think sometimes it is, you know, just learning the technology. And, and, and I think a really big barrier, actually, um, that might interest people listening to this podcast is asking for help. Knowing when, to, knowing when to ask for help, because I think it's really everybody wants to feel like I've got this 
And, Mm -hmm. and we can certainly as coaches encourage people, but I think one of the things that's challenging, um, for a lot of people is to realize before, um, you know, before the failing grade, before they feel like they're failing, reaching out for help can be really a challenging thing. Um, and so that can sometimes be a barrier too, is getting, getting over, um, knowing that, or just no, just not feeling alone, not being alone, looking for help. Mm-hmm. And then we have all the barriers that are from <clears throat> outside of us, like mm-hmm. uh, time constraints, homeschooling yes. your children, time constraints, career, relationships, management, and yes, sickness, pandemics, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we won't touch upon how to deal with each one of these barriers individually, I think we're talking more about <clears throat> the root cause of motivation and demotivation, which is knowing why you started mm-hmm. um, a certain goal or a certain path. Um, so with that, I want to talk about another method that we use here at SNHU in a lot of courses, but also while we coach, which is setting SMART goals. Would you mind... Um, defining those and uh, talking about how they can help with goal setting. Yes. And, and maybe adding a little bit about the habits in with that because they go hand in hand. So SMART goals are used in SNU 107 in particular, but they're um, in a few other courses um, and they're very popular and they stand for um, specific, measurable, achievable, or attainable. Sometimes they swap that out. Realistic, or relatable and timely. So the concept behind that is that, you know, usually we have really broad goals for ourselves. So that kind of goes back to that broad versus narrow perception. So we might say something, our favorite time to set goals and have resolutions is New Year's. And so sometimes we'll say, I want to lose weight, but Mm -hmm. what does that mean? How do you accomplish that? And so SMART goals is a process of taking a really big goal and chunking it down to something smaller. And so a SMART goal for weight loss would be something like, I will walk 30 minutes at least five days each week. I will track my progress by using a fitness tracker and I'm going to check my stats once a week. And then I'm going to, and increasing that um, level of activity may help me lose weight, which is the bigger goal. I will do this for eight weeks. And then I will reevaluate my goal and increase my walking time or make adjustments if I need to. So that's how that looks for that particular goal. It's taking it down to a little nibble, but making yourself accountable because it's something you did or did not do. It's something Mm -hmm. that walking 30 minutes a day is achievable. It's not like I'm going to all of a sudden go to a gym (laughs) for two hours, lift weights, dead weights, and know all of those things and do all of those things immediately. It's mm-hmm. keeping in mind the things that you're capable of doing. And um, that's where I think the achievable, attainable part of SMART goals is really important. And SMART goals are wicked smart because mm-hmm. <laughs> what they're really focusing on is moving away from goals and instead looking at habits. Um, so goals, we talked about intrinsic earlier. Goals are usually extrinsic. They're things outside of ourselves that we want to attain, attain, sometimes because of status, sometimes because it's what we think we ought to do. Um, but, you know, and sometimes getting a degree can fit under that extrinsic, you know, that we want that thing because we want to get another job or we want to improve our lives. or we. So it can be part of a larger goal, uh, obtaining a, a degree or seeking education. Um, but if we get it down to SMART, it's looking at the habit level, the things that we do that will help us attain goals. And habits are really great because they extend past the goal. Because a goal, once it's attained, we feel great. It's nice that we we met that goal. We lost mm-hmm. the weight. We earned the degree. But eventually that... We reward ourselves, as John said we should. Right. But even that reward, once we've attained a goal, it fades after a while. And so then we're left with kind of that empty Netflix hole from binging, right? I've ended the show. What do I do now? So then we need to, <laughs> to get a new goal. Relatable. Yes. Or, or we need... Or the opposite, the flip side of this is we don't meet a goal. And this is, I think, the darker side of goal setting is when we don't meet a goal, we feel like failures. 
And then it's really hard to make other goals. And so that's why shifting away from really, really big, big goals and switching to smaller habits can be really helpful because it's a day by day thing as opposed to a, a really big overreaching thing. And then another really good point that I wanted to, to circle back to that John had made about um, the internal voice right? We see ourselves, we have certain identities. So we'll say things like, I'm a, I'm lazy, or I, <laughs> I'm, I'm a smoker. I'm a joker. Yeah. That's song. Joker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or we'll say positive things about, I'm a great mom, or I'm, um, I'm a good student. And so um, good habits can shape our identity and they can change our lives. So that's why focusing on habits it's something that you can always improve and it's something that you can do little little nibble size instead of like little bigger things and you can kind of start ticking them off and they can be really vitally important to motivation because you can start kind of ticking off habits one by one and also the great thing about habits is they become automatic so after when you first start something like i want to be a I want to be a good student, and so I want to, because I want to be somebody who's well-read. I want to know about reading, and I want uh, to just know things. And so I want to be a reader. I want to be known as a reader and change my identity. So like, I'm, I'm a bit of a reader or a critical thinker. And so to do that, then I'd say, okay, I need to actually read a lot <laughs> to mm-hmm. do that. And then um, to set that up, I'm going to have to get into a habit of doing that. And so then it's... Um, you know, making sure that I'm doing that daily. And at the start, that's going to be hard. Where do I find the time to do that? When do I do that? How do I change my environment to make it more inviting for me to read? Um, Can I use some technology tools like Audible instead of just reading a book? What things can I do? And so it's looking around this process of developing it. And that's hard at the beginning. But after a while, after doing it, it becomes automatic and then it's something you don't even have to think about and it kind of changes your identity. And it's the same thing with bad habits. We have habits that are getting in the way of our goals like uh, doom scrolling, which is that favorite <laughs> word right now, doom mm-hmm. scrolling or uh, uh, Netflix and chill too much or mm-hmm. any of those things that you know are very pleasurable things in the moment but can really wreak havoc with our identity and the way we want to see ourselves in our inner voice, then we have to look at those and say, well, what do I need to do to change that habit and replace it with a better one? And -hmm. it's the same exact thing. You look at your environment, you say, okay, well, if I want to go to bed earlier, I'm going to have to put all of the technology away and Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to um, change. So I need to change my environment. I need to put my phone away. Maybe my charger goes downstairs. Uh, Maybe I reward myself by doing like a little a spa ritual before bed um oh some skincare I had a, I had a yeah I, Sorry, oh I have to share this one I had okay. a friend who wanted to go to bed earlier and so she would put a chocolate on her pillow Ooh, and so style. because she loved yeah like you know and she's like because then I knew that there was that chocolate there waiting for me and so <laughs> I, love I that. had a chocolate on my pillow and so little Things like that are good examples of rewards because I think sometimes when people think of rewards, right, they think um, it has to be big or I have to spend money on it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to buy a jet ski if I get my bachelor's degree or whatever. Right. But it can be something simple as I'm going to listen to my favorite song and rock out or I'm mm-hmm. going to high five myself or I'm going to um, send a, you know, post it on on social media so that other people can celebrate my win. Yeah, smash that like and subscribe button like you're going to do with this podcast because it's an excellent dopamine hit for the brain. Exactly. Um, yes. I think when we were speaking about environment, too, that speaks to the, the attainability of the SMART goals. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have the environment to read for 30 minutes every day or mm-hmm. not? Or do you need to change it? Mm-hmm. Um so some of the questions, and I'll link this in the show notes too. I just built an infographic about SMART goals um, like last week that a peer tutor helped me build, uh, Sammy. And it 
<clears throat> has a couple questions in there you can ask yourself for each thing. So is this specific enough? Is it measurable? Like you said, the 30 minutes walking a day, you can measure that. Did you do it or not? Okay, success fail. Like it's, I think we get too many, um, self-talk can be super generalized and like you can't be a failure in general as much as part of your mind or psyche or past history. <clears throat> I don't know your life. I don't know your story, but I know mine. And mine has some of that in there. So the, the general failure um, is very easy to banish once you start measuring it. Mm -hmm. Like, did I take that 30-minute walk? Did I read a chapter of my book today? Right. And it becomes, I think one of the, the people that is very popular about that now, there's two, like BJ Fogg and James Clear both have, mm -hmm. I'll link they have two quick YouTube things that we can link in there um, sure. where they talk about that, that power of tracking. And so like a lot of times, like they'll say, don't break the chain. Like your one goal is to write an X and, and the great power in that is you can say for a month or I'm going to go week by week mm -hmm. or, and I think sometimes that's even <laughs> better for, for attainability is to say, instead of like putting up a, I'll put an X every time I do this one thing instead of saying for 31 days, mm, I, I like four days or five days because <laughs> that's my, I like a nice tight, short little chain, especially since, you know, you know, times it, and it depends on the, the times in your life. Like right now we're recording this in 2021 after a pandemic where sometimes daily, daily things are challenging. And so it, it also, maybe you're ready to take on a 30-day goal and, and not break the chain for 30 days. Um, but sometimes I think when people break the chain, then they're just broken. Yes. I, I can't. I can't do this. Look at me. I messed up. <clears throat> um, mm -hmm. But I think that's where the five-day, if you do the five-day one, that's helpful because then you can say, eh, didn't right. do it this week. I'll do it next week. And, and I'll un I'll keep the chain going next week. Every um, January I sign up for a 30 day yoga challenge and I do it for 30 days, but not necessarily in a row. Exactly. And that's like, you know, call it a free pass, but it does get done. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, take it easy on yourself too. is probably a good, be kind to yourself. Self-compassion is another, there's a good book about self-compassion because I think a lot of people are really hard on themselves. Um, and so we've got to talk to ourselves like we're a friend. Mm -hmm. So that when you're not motivated, if you can can think about, and that was probably covered um, by David in, in the first one, but if you can shift your perspective to think, how would I talk to uh, my child or mm -hmm. my best friend or my parent mm -hmm. um, if they were in this situation? Yeah. And then that can be helpful in shifting it too. Or how would they talk to you? I think it's it's so fun to like try on a different voice, different perspective too. It can be if there's somebody uh, really if you encouraging fail over and over again. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, that's true. I should say that it does not go without saying. But don't choose someone who's mean, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> we have enough of those. But sometimes that can be motivating too. Is you can think of the person who said you couldn't do something, and oh, I want to stick it to that person, mm -hmm. and so. That can be motivating, too. <laughs> hey, whatever works. Right? All right. So my final question for you, and I'll definitely... Uh, James Clear and BJ Fogg, I think that's funny that one's fog and one's clear. I know. <laughs> did you Did you see? Okay. I um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you catch that when you were reading all of their bibliography? I did, um, yeah. Any last advice or a curious question you can invite students to ask themselves when they seem less than motivated? So I think a curious question they can ask themselves is, um, why, I think the biggest question is, why don't I feel motivated? Because mm -hmm. I think a lot of times when we're demotivated to do something, we don't really tease out why that is. Sometimes we know. Sometimes we just know it's, ugh, I just got some bad feedback or I just, I'm tired and I'm it's a hard so time. Tired. I'm so, yeah. so tired. I've done so many things. And, but I think that's the first step in anything is to identify those challenges um, and and also kind of put yourself in the future and say, like, if I give up now, six months from now, 
how am I going to feel about that? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I think because a lot of times when we're demotivated, we think about our current status, which can be really challenging because sometimes there's a lot going on. But then if we can kind of it mentally jump into a time machine and go into the future and say, but how would I feel about this? And sometimes the answer is surprising. Sometimes it is, you know what? I would say to myself, you had a lot going on and it was okay that you stepped away from it at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it is like, oh, six months from now, I'd be like, oh, why'd you, why'd you, why'd you stop? Why'd you go and do that, Allison? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Past Allison? Past I like to talk to the past and, and future self. So when like that, that's something that I talk with students about too, is like if I've made a good decision in the past that is <clears throat> implemented, that, that makes my life easier in the moment, like maybe I didn't say yes to an appointment or didn't do something. And on that particular day, I'm like, ooh, thanks past Allison. Thanks yeah, for making that decision. I don't have to go anywhere. Yeah, I'm, that really worked out today or... I will in the moment say, hey, future Allison, you're going to have to deal with that, you know, <laughs> or I'm doing this for you, future Allison. You should, yes. you should know all the love to you. I'm, I'm taking this hit right now so that future Allison in three months will be like, yeah, we yeah. passed that class. <laughs> it's time for that nap. <laughs> but I do want to thank Allison for coming and John, of course. If he listens to this later, I'm thankful for you too, John. We're so thankful for John. We're so thankful for John. He's very wise and he, he does have a voice for radio. So I hey, we all, to, we're all there. Yeah, got to make that dream come true today. So that's it for today, dear listeners. I'd like to close the episode with an excerpt of the academic support mission statement. Hey, oh, full circle. We empower each learner to follow their unique curiosity. So get curious and explore academic support's offerings. Existing students can find academic support right under modules in your courses or competencies. And if you're not learning at SNHU yet, think about it. We have You will have the best support system in higher ed behind you. Visit snhu.edu to learn more. This has been Learning You with Coach Kaylee Guzel. And from all of us at Academic Support, thank you for tuning in. We hope to work with you soon.